we are going to continue our study in Colossians. I'm going to invite you, if you have a copy of the scriptures, to open to Colossians chapter 3. You'll do that with me. And uh, next weekend, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you've got a real treat. Jeff's going to be preaching next weekend. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And we're going to worship with you, Christ Community, in California on the way into Mexico. So we're going to join you via the web, live streaming that's going on right now. So that's going to be an exciting opportunity for us. So we don't miss anything. Colossians chapter 3, set free for great relationships. That's what we want to talk about today and uh, just how powerful that is. Now, we know about relationships. Some of us maybe know a lot about relationships. I would venture to say we probably know a lot more about relationships than we actually do. And we know a lot more about marriage and about parenting and about employer, employees, and those kind of things. And we're going to look at those passages right there in chapter 3 that Paul admonishes and he talks to the church about. But I learned this right after I came to Christ. There's no harder place to live your faith out than in your home. I was the first person in my family to become a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And I remember lining up my family at a East, my first Easter and uh, actually machine gunning them with the gospel. <laughs> and I would share Christ with everybody. And over the years, I ended up leaving my dad in Christ. Many others have come to Christ. Some are still, they're on my prayer list. But I remember I went to a preacher one time and I said, you know, I don't understand it. These are the people that I love the most. These are the people I want to go to heaven with me. But it is so hard to be the most effective witness with them. They live with me. They see my good. They see my bad. They see my indifference. They see my attitude. Do I have a witness in here this morning? Amen. Your family knows you. You can't fake it with them. You can't even be religious. You can't pull it over them. Man, they, they see Christ in you. That's my prayer. Christ increase. Let us decrease. But relationships. So today we're going to look at these relationships. The people that are up close and personal, and they they rub us. They they uh, sometimes we repel them. Sometimes we draw them in, and they're watching us. I never have forgotten about that. How people say they're always watching us to see if what we say is really that true. If it's really impacting our life. And it's hard to live out that faith in front of those kind of people. But I was reading a story about some home builders. I, I love homes. I love real estate. Just kind of always been into that since I was about 15 years old. It just intrigues me. And in the last 10 or 15 years, they've had this concept. They want to build open homes. You know, you build open homes. It's kind of like the big party house. Everybody can gather. You don't have many walls. And everything's just exposed. And maybe your house is like that. And you like it. Now, it used to be, you have, see how many rooms you could have. And then with this open concept. Now, I was reading this article. And it says, now in our society... A lot of builders have said, we want to see how many rooms we can put in a house. And we want to wall off. And as I was reading this article, it talks about they would wall off uh, uh, his office and her office. They doesn't even have the same office. They have different offices in the home. And then they have a, a little alcove for internet. And then you have a little room for music, a little room for recreation. And then every kid's got a room. And you just, you, you just get everybody kind of just all separated. But there's something about the people coming together. How would you like it here on Sunday morning if we came in next week and we just had petitions everywhere? And you kind of just kind of slipped in. Some of you go, glory. Are we going to do that? That is awesome. Yeah, you could just kind of slide in there and slide out. But I like the big open concept, don't you? 
that Jesus invites us all to come and to worship Him. Well, here, Paul's going to talk to us about three relationships that are critical and they're essential to us to live for Christ. And he's going to push us to live together, to, uh, to honor one another. In those days, a lot of times, marriages, if you would, they were betrothed at an early age. They were uh, prearranged. A lot of times I got a feeling there probably wasn't a lot of romance. I mean, they didn't have e-harmony, you know what I'm saying? They didn't have Christian mingle and all that kind of stuff. Christian single or whatever it is, I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't Christian single, but I, I, maybe I created a new one right here today. Christ community, Christian single. All right, here it is. But uh, it took a huge amount of maturity maybe on their part. And I think today it still takes maturity on our parts to live with one another. Would you agree? I mean, if you're so honest... The people that you love most, mom, dad, brother, sister, son, daughter, whatever, is right there in your family. Sometimes, man, they're just a pain. I mean, do I have a witness? I mean, the other day I was thinking about, I said, you know, I don't, I don't know why my dad didn't take me off the planet as a teenager. I mean, I, I was just a royal pain. Praise God, my kids won't like me. But, you know, anyway, this is the way it was. Earlier, we were reading here in Colossians last weekend about the peace of Christ. The fullness of the deity ruling in our hearts and, and Christ ruling in our homes. Well, here, Paul's going to even get more practical. He's going to name these three areas of relationships. He goes, now, I want Christ to rule there. And if Christ rules over your home, over these areas, your home will be filled with harmony and peace and joy. Our faith has to come home with us. Here he, he gives nouns about men and women and children and they're, they're driven to personal responsibility. Just write that somewhere in your notes. Take personal responsibility as you follow Christ. Everybody loves to blame somebody else. I mean, I, I can blame people the best of them, you know? But God's never honored in that. My fellow brother or sister or somebody made the image of God, they're not edified if I'm blaming it on them and I'm not taking responsibility. There's something about us wanting to take or not wanting to take responsibility for our actions. But in our home... They get ever so measured. He says here, earlier in Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Be rooted and established in Christ Jesus. Give, serve, dwell. But then some of you go, well, I had an authoritarian dad. He was, a, he was tough. He had an iron fist. Or maybe that's where I live now. Or my, my mom's really tough. Or my dad, he thought he was a king. He wore his crown hat around our house. Uh, I think your dad needs to check out the scriptures. There's one king. And it's not a place that we want to rule as king or as authoritarian. But in chapter 3, I want you to turn out here in verse 18. Matter of fact, I want you to stand with me. In chapter 3, verse 18, I want you to stand. I want to read from the NIV this morning. I want you to hear God's word. Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eyes on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Lord, bless your word today over your people. You can be seated. Isn't that a great word? Now, this is such an easy section of Scripture a few sentences to read. And you go, well, show me something profound out of that, Pastor. Oh, let me tell you. I've been doing some study on this this week. I've been doing some study on this for 
55 years. Been doing some study on this in marriage for a long time. Boy, I fall short, but I'm just going to give it to you. Five keys to healthy relationships. Number one, Christ-centered wives are submissive. Everybody just went, what time's lunch? <laughs> I'm leaving. He said the S word. Pastor said the S word in church. Submissive. You know, I kind of been gnarling up all week even thinking about it, but you know what? Not really, because it's a Jesus word. Submissive is good. Submissive is needed. It, it's what Christ wants for us. It's not very popular, though, in today's culture, but I think according to Scripture, it's a responsibility. It's a duty. It's an obligation. It's what God says. I've, I've had people sometimes say, you're not going to ask me to obey my husband, are you? You're not going to ask me to submit to him, are you? And I go, if I read the scripture, we are. <laughs> scripture says this. I, I, I'm tired of preachers watering down the gospel. Can I have a big amen? amen. I mean, I'm not ashamed of me. Now, I want you to hear me. Oh, don't get all that. Pastor, I like him. I like him. Now he's mouth showing us. What happened to him? Oh, help me, Jesus. We're leaving. No, hold on, hold on. There's a mutual submission he's going to talk about. Ultimate submission is to the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, remember earlier chapters of Colossians? Christ wants to rule over everything. He wants to rule over the man. He wants to, matter of fact, guys, let me tell you, he's going to get tougher on the man than he is a woman. Amen. If, if you just, amen, come on. If you'll just read on in the scripture, then the women are going, uh-huh, you kicking yours, uh-huh. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, man. Enthusiasm for that. Because, guys, it's been taught this way from places. Submissive spirit means a doormat. It does not. You do not walk over a woman. You treasure her. You honor her. Amen? Amen. That's God's word for us. But it's, it's touchy. People find excuses to ignore it. People want to strive to not live out their God-given role. And God says, I've got roles for you. You're equally made. You're made male and female. You're made in the image of God. Christ died for women and men. Hallelujah. I'm so grateful for women. So grateful for men. But let's look at what God says to us here about the husband. He has responsibility. Now there's a, there's a great Greek word. It's hupotasso. Say that with me. Hupotasso. Isn't that a fun word? Don't you want to go to Costco or somewhere and go, hupotasso. I, I want a hupo. You don't even know what it is. I want a hupo. Hupotasso. Taco. No, I didn't say taco. Hupotasso. <laughs> Can you tell I'm getting excited about Taco Bell coming down the road? Okay, that's another story. I'm going to tell you what Hupotasso is. I want you to write this in. It's basically H-U-P-O-T-A-S-S-O. -S -S but listen to this. The Greek word means to arrange one's self under delegated authority. Arrange one's self under delegated authority. In the home, God has given man a position of authority over the woman, and it's under the headship of Christ. And they're to be under Christ, and it's not some position to be lorded. It's everything else. Right now in Genesis 1.27, listen to what the Word of God says. So God created mankind in His own image. The image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. He created us equal. Equal value. Equal worth. Hear me, women are not inferior. 
I don't know, but in, in, the, in the, sometimes in this cultural setting, women didn't have the rights. They didn't get to do things to a few hundred years ago. I mean, that is just sick. But anyway, Genesis or Galatians 3.28, write that down. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen. I love that. We're one in the Savior. That's what the Scripture says. So it's a radical view. 1 Corinthians 11.3 But I want every one of you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. Do you realize that even Jesus Christ, the exact representation, as I preached a few weeks ago, of God, God in the flesh, second part of the Trinity, He's not less than, but He's under the delegated authority of the Father. Jesus. You're like, no, wait a minute. No, I can prove that. And what I'm saying is, so when woman's under man, this is not the inferior position. It's just the way God has set it up. But then God is above all. And God gives us responsibility. We're even going to... Matter of fact, you know, I know some of you are going, okay, Pastor, I like it. You're getting all excited. You're getting amped up. My husband doesn't follow Jesus. I ain't submitting to that bum. Well, it's a whole Bible study in itself about <laughs> by your faith, living out your faith in front that they might come to faith in Jesus by the way you live your life, that you don't nag it to death or whatever. But let me say this. Men, we don't perfectly follow the Savior, do we? Oh, oh yeah, men. This is not rhetorical. Okay. Men do not per peacefully, perfectly follow the Savior. Right? Yeah, I mean, we mess up. Women, you're like, ah, I knew you were going to give me an excuse. Yeah, you gave him a coupon. There you go. All right, go ahead. Pass with it. Y'all are a bunch of bums anyway. Just keep on. No, no, that's not what I say. We fall short. Women fall short. Y'all fall short of the glory of God. But I want to say this. I've had... Many people over the years that were in an abusive relationship. And this pastor will run to your aid quickly along the elders of this church. If there's an abusive relationship, God has an appeal. It's not, it says, the scripture says, as fitting to the Lord. It's not just to be a doormat, just not to be walked on. If a woman is in an abusive relationship, she has an appeal. She has, she can call 911. And they'll come. She could call the elders of the church and they will come in and stand in. So, women, I want you to know the church is there to protect you. Isn't that good news, church, that God set it up in the church to be protected? That He protects over women and calls them, but you know, all this dysfunction. But there's, there's, so there's a limit to submission in that situation if they're threatened. And yet, I look at the life of Moses, I look at the life of Jesus, and they demonstrate humility and they demonstrate leadership and they demonstrate submission. And even Jesus, He demonstrates beautiful submission to the Father. In Acts 5, the scripture says we must choose who we obey. If we're going to obey God or we're going to obey man. And I always say, go with God. Obey the Lord. When God tells you something in scripture, when God whispers in your spirit, he gives you promptings, follow them. Paul addresses that. Listen to Ephesians 5.21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, out of awe, out of worship, out of honor for who the King is. Respect Him. Here, here's what I think God's trying to drive us to. Respect. Women, I would say, men need your respect. Respect your husband. Grace-filled respect for him. Now, he needs to work. He needs to honor you. He needs to bless you. We're, we're fixing to get on some women. Just go ahead and go, good, because that was really rough. I wouldn't like in the first point. What's going to get better for you? Men, sorry, here it goes. 319. Christ-centered husbands are loving and they're tender. 
and they're compassionate, and they're Christ-like, those that have received Jesus. That's, that's the role of the church. That's the role of a Christ follower. They practice agape love, unconditional love for their spouse. They, they love them. They honor them. It's, it's the type of love that's based on a commitment. It's not strictly emotions and romance or lust or whatever, but it's a commitment of their heart in love. It's a the, the Greek would say it's a continuous action. Write that in your notes. It's a continuous action to love your wife and to honor her. And it brings much glory and it bears fruit to the Father. And there might be somebody today that says, PK, I'm not in love with my wife. I've lost that love and feeling. Wasn't that a song? Well, let me shoot it straight with you because I've been known to do that. It doesn't matter whether you feel all ooey-gooey or not, you have a biblical command to love. Love is a verb. Love is an action in the church said. You love your wife. Matter of fact, if you think that's hard, I want to share with you here in a minute about this love and respect. I think the Bostics did a small group on this. I know the Van Eggers did a, uh, a study on this. Great book. Love and respect. How many of you have ever read it? Maybe I walked by. Yeah, I walked by, but I didn't read it, man. That's kind of hard. I didn't like the words love and respect. Great, great, in-depth read of the marriage covenant. And he repeats a story in here that I remember reading 20-something years ago. There was a, a president of college in a seminary, of Columbia Bible College and Seminary. His name was Robert McQuilkin. He was a godly man a scholar, great leader. And I want you to hear a story of a man that knew what it meant to love his wife. <clears throat> and I've read this over 25 years, and every time I read it, I go, man, I fall so short. But listen to this hero of the faith. One of the finest examples we'll find. He left his position as president of Columbia Bible College and Seminary after 22 years because his wife had developed a horrible disease all times. The disease had progressed to the point where his wife simply could not stand having gone, even for a few hours. If he was gone just for a few hours to go to the, uh, to the college, she thought he was lost. She was confused. It was clear to McQuilkin that his wife now needed his full-time attention. And he says, my decision was difficult, but in a way, it was simple. Now, I want you to hear this next line. I love this line. I love this man. Listen to what he says. The decision that I made was made 42 years ago when I promised to care for Muriel in sickness and in health until death do us part. McQuilkin went on to say that he wanted to be a man of his word, and he also wanted to be fair. His wife had cared for him sacrificially during all those 42 years, and if he cared for her the next 40 years, he would still not be out of the debt of Muriel. The simple decision was the only option for him. He says, as I watch her brave descent into oblivion, Muriel is the joy of my life, he said. Daily I discern new manifestations of the kind of person she is, the wife I've always loved. This writer goes on to tell this. He goes, almost all women stand by their men to the end. But very few men... Stand by their women. This week, I was in the home on a pastoral visit and I witnessed this kind of love. 
I witnessed one of our members loving his wife. It's very, very sick. With a God made love. Serving her every need. <coughs> she was his first call. Because he made a commitment to her. And I say, blessed be the name of the Lord God. Amen. Amen. But you're like, well, I don't know about that, man. It's might get sick. Hey, see ya. Take care of yourself. That's a spiritual whim. I wouldn't even call you spiritual. You know what I'm saying? Cherish, nourish, protect. You know how your mama says, protect the china, baby. Don't touch it. Don't eat out of it. Don't drink out of the crystal. You, you might mess it up. So what happens in everybody's house around America? Crystal and china sits in the china cabinet for everybody to adore and go, oh, y'all have china. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, even when I eat on China, I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to break it, I'm going to drop it, I'm going to buy some of this stuff. It's just, you know, I don't know, anyway, I'll tell you how I really feel a little bit. Okay, here we go. So we lay it down. Listen, listen to Ephesians, Colossians, Ephesians, parallel, but I want you to write down Ephesians 5, 25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word. God says, men, Love your woman. Wash over her with the word. That's God's model. Make her radiant. And then he goes all through this section in Ephesians. But it's the application that we need to cherish, to care. To care means to protect. It means to keep warm. It means to honor. It means to bless. Keep the flame burning. Christ wants the flame burning in the church. He wants the flame burning at home that we love our bride with the love, the agape love of Christ. It's our purpose to love our wives, to help them become all that God's designed them to be. As I was studying this week, I was just thinking about that is my role and your role. Help your mate become all she can be. Cherish her, honor her, exalt her, bless her, lead her, serve her. My bride's not with me today. She's sick. She's never sick. She always sits on this front row. She's my best friend, my best champion. She's with me. She does everything that I can do what I've done. She is sacrificed. We got married when we were 20 years old. We, man, we were young. So we were like, don't listen to Pastor right now. <coughs> we were. We're going to celebrate 35 years in August. Praise God. You know what? Man, she was there working with me, helping me get through college and then through seminary and ministry and all that. Man, she just loved me. And I'm grateful for that woman. And a lot of times, men get opportunities that the wives don't get. And maybe you're saying, like, I mean, man, I got, man, I got opportunities, man. I'm so great. I'm a lot smarter than him. I just ain't about being smart. Everybody already knows my wife's smarter than me. That's not even. <laughs> I knew y'all were going to laugh. You know, but but it's, it's the way it is. It just says, husbands love your wives. Love them intentionally. Now let's move to this. So, men, just right down there. My job is to lead blank. My job is to lead Donna. Your job is not to lead Donna. Don't write there. My job, lead Donna. You will get in trouble when your wife reads your notes. Like, Who's Donna? Lead your wife, okay? Now, let's move to this one because I want you to say, so who, who's the role model here? It's Jesus. Jesus sacrificially gives his life up for you and me, for the church. And he calls us to love our mate, not to erode the relationship and to go forward. And then look at this third point. Christ-centered children are obedient. I know kids are going, well, you already picked on the women. Now you picked on the men. Now it's going to be my turn. I, lo I love this verse. I didn't like it when I was a kid necessarily. I didn't know Christ, you know. I remember one time my daughter, she, she memorized this verse. And somebody said, what is your favorite verse, Rachel? And she quoted this verse with her mom and dad sitting there. And everybody looked at it and went, 
weak. I cannot believe as a faithful. I said, I didn't tell her anything, man. I mean, I've been telling her and teaching her about Jesus, but she just loves that verse. Great verse. You ought to tattoo it on your, you ought to put it over your kid's uh, bed. <laughs> Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord, Colossians 3.20. Come on, moms, y'all know calligraphy and painting, and I've seen your artistic abilities. Put this over their strollers when they're, when they're riding through the neighborhood. They, when they learn to read, they put words together, they'll memorize this. It's called brainwashing. No, no, here we go. On walls, in the room, in the car, quote it, quote it. But discipleship, here, here's all I say to kids. If children and kids and young adults that are dependents of their parents, the Bible promises a long life if you obey your parents. Honor them, obey them, bless them. Now, they've got a role here not to be jerks and not to embitter you, not to cause you to go to rage and that kind of thing. But it, kids are meant to obey their parents. It's just right and fitting. It's Deuteronomy, it's Colossians, it's Ephesians. Kids are meant to obey us because it characterizes a godly lifestyle of somebody that's submitted to Jesus. So kids obey their parents, and it's a beautiful thing. Kids are meant to obey their parents because then their life flourishes, and, they, and their parents don't take them out, and they have a longer life. They listen, and they obey their parents. Now, I'm going to speak to this. A lot, today, we call it the boomerang society. A lot of kids go off to college, and they come back home. They go off to work, and they say, hey, I'm going back home, man. It was nice at home. We had grub and food and utilities and life, and I could do what I want to. And I understand. I've been there. I've got grown kids, and they've gone and come, and they live on their own and all that kind of stuff. And I love it. I love it. I love it. But it's always a little hard when kids come back home. Do I have a witness out there, anybody? When your kids come back home, they've been out of the house, and they come and go when they want, and then they move back home. And they come in at different times, and, and you're always going to be a daddy. You're always going to be a mama. Do I have a witness? And you see, you're getting on their nerves, and they're getting on your nerves. I understand. That's just part of it. But the Bible says, man, they're to obey their parents. They're to bless them. And they love them. you got to work at this, man. This is an investment. This caused everything out of you. Christ says that, that blesses you. Look at the fourth one. Christ-centered fathers are encouragers. It's one of the greatest roles dads get to do. They get to encourage their mom, their wife. They get to encourage their children. Today, all these mom and dads that stood up here, I pray they're great encouragers. I just pray they encourage their kids so much. The Bible says in 321, fathers do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Let me give you some, some I's. The letter I. Okay? Sound like I'm Sesame Street. Let's do the letter I today. Okay, <laughs> I told y'all I'm going back on this childhood thing with a granddaughter, okay? So just get used to it. All right, here we go. I. Ignore them. Ignore your kids. A father who has no time for his children soon creates deep-seated resentment within them. Never ignore your kids. Pay attention to them. The second I, indulge them. Give your kids everything they want. Do not. You are parents. And all the time, like, oh, you know, I'm going to give my kids everything they want. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you one thing. You're going to have a horrible, spoiled, rotten child. And then bring them to church so we can transform them. <laughs> Yeah, we get them an hour a week and you spoil them all week. Glory to God, that is awesome. Here's the, uh, the next one. Insult them. Oh, y'all insult them. That, that'll do great things. Criticize your kids. Be sarcastic. Ridicule them. Knock them uh, down. It's horrible. Edify them. Lift them high. Believe in them. I've always believed my kids could do much more than I've ever accomplished in my life. And I've built much more. 
And I believe my grandkids will do more than they do. That's the role of a father and a mother and a grandfather and a grandmother. We pass the time. Here, intimidate them. Threat them. Be unfair to them. No. If you do, you'll scar them for life. Be a loving father. Don't embitter them. Be kind and gracious. Let me give you the last I. This is my favorite. Invest in them. Invest your life. One of the things that Ben does that I observe, I watch him. He goes, Ben, where are you going? I'll take the same fishing. We're going to play ball. Now, I don't know that he goes out with Neva and puts on a tutu, which I'm grateful. I don't want to see Ben in a tutu. <laughs> but he spends time with his daughters. He spends time with his son, just like Tim does. And Nathan, hey, Nathan, what are you going to do? Man, I'm going out to have a date with my daughter. I'm going to throw the ball with my son. Invest. And they don't just invest in those kind of things. They invest in the scripture. And they pray and they lead their homes. I'm honored to serve with these men. Ephesians 6, 4. It puts it this way. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Don't you love that word, exasperate? Isn't that just a great word? You're like, yeah, but I like to do it. Don't do it, okay? I wrote down this. Grace-filled encouragement of my children. And I don't think this is just for fathers. In the Greek, the word is pateros, and it, could, it, it, it expands it past fathers to parents, to mom and dad. And don't irritate them. Don't belittle them. Treat them with grace. Uh, don't over-discipline them, but don't under-discipline them. Ask the Lord what is right and fair. He'll show you. Uh, set rules. Set boundaries. Bless them. And the fifth one. Look at this one. This is kind of an interesting one. Christ-centered bosses and workers have grace-filled diligence and they have grace-filled compassion. Now, the scripture here, when I read it a minute ago, it says, slaves obey your earthly masters. We, we don't have that verbiage in our society. That's been outlawed. Praise God. In this day, uh, as I was doing study on this, it's just amazing that there was probably somewhere around 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. It was just the culture that day. And they had all kind of different positions. But the bottom line is Christ wants us to be holy, godly employers and employees because we do it as unto the Lord, not to man. Yeah. And then they're the recipients. So if you're an employer, be a holy employer. If you're an employee, be a holy employee. Let me tell you what I know about our church. Sometimes people call me and they'll come to me and they'll share with me they're heavy of heart because they have to make difficult decisions. And they want to be led by Christ. I am so thankful for men and women that have sensitive hearts. So, just you got a little room. I want you to write down two points. Point A. Paul says we must have the right attitude. Write that in there. If you're an employer or you're an employee, have the right attitude. Have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. And point B would be strive to please the right boss. The right boss is Jesus. The right boss is the Lord God. And I know some of us feel like, well, I'm slighted and I don't get treated with respect and honor. I understand that. But God says, recognize Jesus as your boss. Exalt Him above all things. Grace changes everything. Grace changes every relationship. So this morning... We just had a simple lesson about being set free for great, positive, holy relationships. Compassion for those who are us. Let's pray. Father, I'm grateful for this lesson. And uh, Lord, just for the heart that you give us.
that you give us a new heart, a heart of flesh, a heart of the Spirit when we come to Christ. And Lord, have mercy on us when we fall so short and we mess it up so bad. Lord, would you bless the people we work with, the people that work with us, alongside us, that maybe work for us, or we work for them. Give us proper relationships. Help us to reflect these message, this message from the book of Colossians today, God, that we take these relationships seriously and with sincerity of heart and full devotion to Christ, we go, Lord, I offer this relationship to you. Make me a holy man, a holy woman, a holy child. I'll worship you. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I ask you to call upon the name of the Lord. Salvation is deliverance from sin and bondage. Would you call upon Christ? Would you ask Him to be your Savior and Lord? Matter of fact, this morning, I'm just going to ask you right now, would you just open your heart to Christ and say, Lord, that message is for me. Just something kind of like this, words like this, you might pray with me. Lord Jesus, I'm separated. I fall short. I've messed up. I've been a jerk. I'm a bad husband. I'm a bad father. I'm a bad mom. I'm not a very good son or daughter. Lord, have mercy on me. But Lord, I open my heart to Jesus. I want to come into my heart today and be born. Would you cover me today by your blood, Jesus? Cleanse me. Would you I will receive you now as my Savior. But Jesus, I know it didn't stop there. I, want, I know you want to be the Lord, the boss, the master. So would you come and invade my life right now and rule and change me? I give you my heart today, Jesus. And I pledge allegiance to you, Christ. And I'll follow you. Now with heads bowed, I'm just curious. Did anybody in this room today pray a prayer something like that? Just raise your hands across the room. Hallelujah. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Did anybody else today? You just, you know what? That was, that was my prayer. Hallelujah. I just need Christ. See, all this is possible through Jesus. It's pretty impossible without Him. Lord, you're good. And we bless your name. Amen.